Collegiately speaking. And we're underway. Needs a block on the kicker. He gets it. And will he go the distance? Yes, he will. Touchdown, Michigan State. As the Hokies deliver their dagger here in Tallahassee. Intercepted by the Wildcats. The Wildcats win. Unbelievable. Here's Collegiately Speaking, your one-stop shop for college football news. Collegiately Speaking. With Dave Enn and former Northwestern quarterback Dan Person. How much you want to make a bet I can throw a football over the mountain? Collegiately Speaking. Yeah, and we're still in one piece after last week, but just barely. Hungover. We're really hungover. (laughs) Not in the sense that most people would interpret that. Right. Right, just, football just, hangover. Just a football hangover. From Still having nightmares. A rough weekend for the uh, for the Big Ten in general, and uh, for the team that uh, we were broadcasting on Saturday. You were doing the television of the Northwestern Akron game, and of course, I was doing the radio. We'll talk more about that, but uh, just when the Big Ten, Dan, appeared to be back, all of a sudden, all hell breaks loose, right? <laughs> and the conference just takes it on the chin. It's brutal. Isn't I mean, it? You, I mean, have, you have great bowl showings, and this is always going to get brought up, you know, in bowl season and non-conference. You have great showings in the bowl games, and, you know, everybody's high in the Big Ten again. However many teams in the top ten in, in the preseason polls, again, we talked about that before, that don't really matter. But, you know, really just, just drop the ball across the board. Illinois, Northwestern, Wisconsin, Purdue. It's unfortunate, and it's, you know, you you don't want to overreact, but at the same time, that's a, those were a lot of tough games, you know, blown leads, just games that you th- you think you should win, and you, you you lay an egg, which is unfortunate. Well, you know, if you go back a couple of weeks, and we sat here and talked about their, the close calls. I mean, Penn State had a close call. Michigan State had a close call, and then in week two, they went down to defeat. But you kind of look back at those now and say, all right, well... Uh, yeah, maybe these were just teams that could not withstand the close calls, like Penn State and Michigan State were able to do in Week One, and and you look around and you think, well, this is this is something that can haunt you. I mean, it really can. I mean, it's 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 hard to shake off what happens in September is going to matter down the road. Yeah, I think obviously we know more about Northwestern and following them a little closer than some other teams. They always struggle in September, but yeah, I don't know if it's just knocking the rust off that these teams just didn't have great camps, had injuries. I, I don't know. It's hard to explain, and you hope they go into everyone goes into Big Ten play strong, and there's great games, and then you know they they turn it around and do well in bowl season and in, in kind of the bigger games, but. I just don't get it. It's whether it's kids not being prepared, you know, seeing them as lesser games in Nebraska, Troy, maybe not getting up for Troy. Um, You know, the excuses kind of go on and on. But it's unfortunate. You want to beat your chest, especially when you have so much momentum as the Big Ten and you're beating your chest and you're beating your chest. And the SEC just shows out so well and the Big Ten just falls flat in its face. But you know what? When you look at this, there are all these measuring sticks for the relative strength of teams and conferences and there's this thing called the S&P plus rankings and and I'm not a mathematician and and I get lost in some of this stuff but they do rank the conferences and and under their rankings the Big 10 didn't drop all that much and it's still second behind the SEC despite the bad day on Saturday so I I don't know what to make of that except that maybe around here we're looking at it as more of a disaster than, and, and certainly the SEC is 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 not going to look at the Big Ten and say, "Well, yeah, they're right behind us." I mean, they're going to do everything they can to to talk down the Big Ten. 
why wouldn't they, right? They right. want to improve their yeah. brand. You go to the South and the Big Ten really doesn't exist, right? And then anytime, like the last couple of years, the Big Ten kind of creeps into the conversation of being better and the SEC's beating up on each other, they get really offended. So, you know, when this <laughs> stuff happens, they're, they're all over it. All right. What happened to the Cats? Oh, man. Where do we start? Like you said, I was doing the game and, uh, you know, they had... It wasn't a great first half, I didn't think. Akron just played so poorly with, you know, penalty. I think they had 100 yards in penalties, turnovers, the drop punts, or the drop snaps. And they kind of, Northwestern kind of got gifted 21 points. Um, the defense was playing well. They, they didn't convert on, on third down. But, you know, I, I didn't think it was really, okay, Northwestern's hand on these guys. It's, all right, they were given a gift and they're taking advantage of it. I thought, you know, Clayton played really well in the first half. He looked more like himself, which is really encouraging to those that, you know, follow him closely. But yeah, I know the second half, you know, we were talking about it before the show. I, I think Northwestern sometimes gets caught in, hey, you know what? It's all about us. We're going to do what we're going to do. And it doesn't matter about the other team. And I agree that t- with that, you know, to an extent, you know, you got to focus on your execution. But I think sometimes the Northwestern coaches get caught up in, you know, we're going to do our, the same things no matter what, no matter who we're playing and we're going to execute better and we're going to win. And, you know, I doing the broadcast, they just I know they, they're a third down man team and they're going to go man free and, and two man and on third down. And I'm like, why, why are they doing this? They have Akron has some guys. I was walking down on, on the field before the game and they looked like, a you know, a, a big 10 team at the skill positions. They have some guys that you want to get off the bus first just to impress the other team. And they continue to play man and, and quad Smith continue to run by people. And I'm like, just play zone. Just you're up twenty one three. Just relax, play zone, and they didn't do that. And not to say, you know, talking to Coach Hank before the game, he he was like, you know, we're playing really well except outside of big plays. But you know, big plays are n- the name of the game for a lot of these games, and you're not going to beat anybody at the end of the day with with twenty one points scored, defensive points scored against. It's just not going to happen. Um, and you know, Clayton's got to do a better job of. I get it. He's under pressure. The old line's beat up, but you can't make bad plays worse. And that's what he did on all three of those plays. Or I take that back. The second interception was kind of a tip ball that Mm -hmm. Skronik probably should have had. But, you know, the first pick going for it on on fourth down is a questionable decision from Fitz. But, you know, he's rolling to his right under pressure. He has Nagel open and just sails it wide. Either make that throw or throw it out of the back of the end zone. You know, they have bad, bad field position. You know, the next drive. He's roll. He's trying to escape pressure. Takes two hands off the ball. Strip sack. Fumble. Touchdown. You know that that escalates pretty quickly, and you're just not going to come back from that kind of stuff. You know, it's one thing to go for it on fourth down, but you also need to convert those. Right. They, and the Wildcats have attempted twelve fourth down conversions now. No other Big Ten team has tried more than seven, and they've only converted three. So it's that's really the problem. It isn't necessarily. If you can convert them, great. If you convert, what, two-thirds of those, you're probably in decent shape? Right. Yeah, I mean, Fitz has, has gotten, and I don't want to say lucky, but his his rolls of the dice have paid off the last couple mm-hmm. of years, right? I mean, well, they, they've gone for it on fourth down and you know, a lot of those overtime games, and it, and it, it works out. But we kind of talked about this in other shows. It's like the margin of error is so razor thin. When those couple things don't go your way, you lose games very quickly. And I think that's where Northwestern fans look at it and they're like, okay, we can easily win a 10, 10 games a year, but at those, those same seasons, we're going to, we can go six and six with a drop of a hat. Well, I'll say this much. I can't imagine a team 
with 15 penalties for 140 yards winning a game. Ever again. Ever. <laughs> but Ever. It, it can happen. We saw it. Three, uh, three defensive touchdowns. That's how you win a game. Finally, we have multiple conference games in the Big Ten this weekend, including a night game against a ranked team at Kinnick Stadium. The Iowa Hawkeyes hosting the Wisconsin Badgers, and we're pleased to be joined by our good friend Matt LaPay, the voice of the Badgers. We'll be calling that game out in Iowa City on Saturday. And you are, I guess, in the unfortunate position. You can't bring earplugs, Matt, because you got to hear what's going on in the stadium. But I think uh, that wouldn't be a bad idea on a night like that. Since I'm not playing in the game, I'm looking forward to, to at least being in the safety of the, of the uh, press box. Uh, I'm looking forward to the atmosphere. It's going to be, as you guys know, going to Kinnick Stadium is pretty noisy most of the time anyway, but it will, it's going to be ramped up. Um, but we only have to watch. It's going to be a challenge for us. I saw one of the offensive linemen for Wisconsin yesterday, and, and he mentioned the crowd noise, not only in hearing the quarterback, but in hearing the center uh, make his line calls that 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 can be an issue. They they had one noisy environment last year at Nebraska, uh, but otherwise their road games were pretty quiet venues. This won't be very quiet, as you suggest on Saturday. You know, Matt, Dan's probably going to punch me for bringing this up, but I remember, <laughs> I think your senior year, Dan, you guys played a night game out there, and it did not go well. Yeah, it, it's just a tough place to play, as as, as Matt was alluding to it. You stand on the sidelines. They can the fans can literally reach down and touch you. Um, and we got off to a rough start. We climbed all the way back and ended up losing. But it's just a tough place to play. And at night, I mean, against Wisconsin, Matt, I don't know. It, it's going to be a really, really tough game. And hopefully, the guys come ready to play. I, I think you know, watching the BYU game, it, it, it was they kind of got punched in the face. And I don't know if they really suffered that punch yet this season. How do you, how do you think they're going to respond to a, a really physical, you know, Iowa team? Yeah, that's the great question, Dan. How are they going to respond? Um, These guys have... Uh, under Paul Christ especially, it's a low-drama team. It doesn't make too much. Uh, last year when they were rolling through their schedule, they didn't seem to get giddy over anything. You know, They were excited to win, but they, they never really got ahead of themselves. So now you're coming off a game where you not only lost in your home field, and it ended a long regular season winning streak that they had and a really long non-conference home winning streak but they they got beat kind of in their own game and it, you know it wasn't it wasn't a fluke it wasn't a team that came in with some crazy offense and just had them uh, totally out of whack it was a team that ran a lot of the same stuff that Wisconsin runs against people jet sweeps and then they were able to you know break some big plays up the middle so I I would like to think they're going to respond well there's a part of me that that believes that it might be better for Wisconsin to go on the road in an environment like this rather than playing some some other no-name non-conference opponent where there's not going to be any energy in the stadium. It's a little careful what you wish for, I guess, but I'd like to think that this team is going to embrace being called everything but a human being by those fans, right. as you know, as close as they are. They, they let you hear it, but uh, hopefully these guys can use that as a little bit of fuel. You know, it looked at the end of that game, Matt, that uh, the the Badgers were still going to find a way, and and I was really impressed by the way Hornybrook. I mean, he made some big plays on that last drive. Ultimately, they missed the field goal. Do people in in Madison, do the Wisconsin fans, have they warmed to Hornybrook now? Are they kind of in his corner, or is, is it just the 
the life of a quarterback, you're just uh, you're always going to be kind of hot and cold as far as the fans go. Yeah, probably more the latter, Dave. You, you never you, you you hear, I guess, from the vocal minority if it's on social media or on some of the talk shows. Uh, this guy was the MVP of the Orange Bowl, and now in some people's eyes, he doesn't know how to play. But you figure that is more of the minority. You just you just hear them. It, it you know, I guess it does go with the position and, and that. And you're right; he did make some plays in the fourth quarter. He had a bad interception. It, the, the decision. To who to uh, on who to target was right. The throw was wrong. The throw was bad, and it put Wisconsin's defense in a tough spot. And that was BYU's touchdown in the uh, in the second half, a 27-yard scoring drive off the turnover. But yeah, under some pressure, he made some some pretty good plays on that that final drive and didn't panic. You know, they they knew they had time to play with. They had timeouts in their pocket. They did a pretty nice job with that. But um, and I think up here too, to be honest. Uh, we, we talk about it a lot. People who are football fans up here have been beyond spoiled rotten by what they see on Sundays with Brett Favre and Aaron Rodgers. And they just yeah. naturally expect the guy who plays on Saturday to uh, be able to, to pull out games in the last minute. It happens a fair amount, but maybe not quite with the frequency of a guy who's in the Hall of Fame and another who's going to be as soon as he's eligible. Yeah, I think my biggest thing with with Hornerbroker and quarterbacks in general being you know a fan of quarterbacks and a former quarterback is just consistency. If you're going to be average, be average all the time. Just you know at least let fans and your team know where you're going to be. But if you're going to be great, be great all the time. And I think Hornerbrook's had you know so many games where I look at him like, wow, he's making some NFL throws. He looks polished. He looks so confident. And then you have other games. I remember you know Northwestern from last year where he's just throwing balls up. And I'm just like, yep. I get a little confused by that. Um, and again, I don't follow the Wisconsin Bad. As, as close as as you do, but I think I would be frustrated as a fan. Just you know, pit, be who you are, and if, and if you, you can't you can't give them that taste of excellence and then just pull it down so low. Um, so I mean, I'm obviously rooting for the kid, and, and I'm sure he'll bounce back. I think anytime people question him, he seems to have a really good game. You know, same as as going into that that Orange Bowl last year. So hopefully he can he can get on on the right track. But I think that's just the most frustrating part for me if if I was a Wisconsin fan. Yeah, no, it's it's uh, it's an interesting observation, and I tend to lean on guys like you who have played, who you know live it. I watch it. You guys live live through that, and he's he's not he's he's a gifted quarterback. He's not like most recently here, Russell Wilson, the magic year he had in, in 2011. He just does things that we haven't seen from from Wisconsin quarterbacks. And the thing about the a little bit of what we saw last Saturday, that was a little flashback from last. Last year, as you said, he, he threw 15 interceptions last year. 25 touchdowns, that was good. Right. But he had that stretch of Big Ten games where he'd give the other guys two or three chances a game, it seemed, to, to pick pick off passes, and, and they would get that done most of the time. So, uh, to hear the coaches talk, it isn't so – he's a, very, very diligent, as I'm sure all you guys are, as quarterbacks in preparation. It's just sometimes he forces a pass. Uh, the decision isn't always bad. The throw is. And that that gets him in, into some trouble. That's, that, I don't mean that to be a blanket statement. I mean, there right. are bad decisions too. But yeah, you're right. It's a little 
little up and down, and every coach in the world stresses, you know, be who you are, be consistent, and we were seeing a little bit of that roller coaster with him. But I would also add that the the offensive line did not have one of its better days for for a group that is as highly touted touted right. as this one is. Um, they got they got punched a little bit by a pretty stout front from BYU. Well, speaking of stout fronts, uh, another one looming on Saturday night. This is the number one defense uh, in the Big Ten that Wisconsin will face, uh, but the Badgers take the number one rushing offense in Iowa City. Matt, you've called them all, going back to Ron Dane and P.J. Hill and Melvin Gordon, and, and now you got Jonathan. I mean, I'm, I could name another six or seven probably in that group, but uh, Jonathan Taylor now, I'm not going to ask you to rank him because I know that would be impossible, but uh, do you put him right in there, the upper echelon of guys who have carried the ball for Wisconsin during that time? I think at this point of his career, which is still early, it's one season plus three games, he, he certainly merits being in the conversation. I mean, he's putting up Ron Dane-like numbers, uh, the fastest to get to 2,000 career yards since Dane uh, in 1996. Uh, he, you know, he ran for nearly that a year ago. It was 1,900-plus. Um, so... You know they're they're different kind of backs, obviously, but uh, what they're doing in terms of their productivity is, and it's not just the yards, the yards per carry. It's right there. He's averaging in his career. It's close to seven. I want to say off the top of my head, close to seven yards a pop. So this is a uh, this is a big game for him. They need him. They need the offensive line to create creases for him. Uh, it's going to be hard to move these guys because this Iowa defense is not only good, but it's deep in the defensive line. They can they they wrote eight and do so rather liberally and the linebacking core which is minus those three real good ones that they had from last year they're still a good group good. Uh, and they are they're playing very very well right now I guess they may still there might still be some doubters with with because of who they've played but I think these coaches know what a good defense looks like and they're really impressed with what they see well Wisconsin has dominated the series the last few years what do you think this game comes down to Saturday interesting. I was talking to one of the Iowa folks about it uh, yesterday, and it may come down assuming that running is going to be difficult from the Wisconsin perspective you hope it can you know can run the ball reasonably well it may come down to the quarterbacks Nate Stanley and Alex Hornibrook who's the guy who makes those two or three plays that are difference makers and it you know, doesn't have to be uh, you know shot plays but who can get that that tough third and long conversion when you're getting close to crunch time uh, who can you know who can make that big throw in a tough spot to get you out of trouble uh, it, it could come down to, to something like that kicking game as well I, I just I see this being really close it, last week it was a lower possession game Wisconsin had 10 possessions all day and I could see a pretty similar scenario playing out on Saturday night these two teams are a lot alike well the first big game of the year in the Big Ten really as you look at this one have fun out there Matt I 
<laughs> I don't know if that's the word, but uh, have a have a great call as you always do, and uh, we will catch up with you uh, down the road. Thanks for the time. You, yeah, Thank you. Absolutely. It is, it, thanks, guys. As you well know, if you just hang by Gary Dolphin, you're safe because he is he is a legend. So I'll just try to do that. Good idea. All right, buddy. Thank <laughs> See you, you later. All right, Matt right. LePay, the voice of the Wisconsin Badgers, and uh, again, that should be a very entertaining game. And I was got a knack. For the, pulling off the upsets, or at least it was saw last year against Penn State, uh, pushing them right to the very end of the game in those night games at Kinnick Stadium. How do you see the West now, Dan? Because this is one of those where you know everybody's assumed it's it's Wisconsin's division to lose, and there was talk who would be. Uh, the challenger, if someone else is going to come up and bite them, would it be Northwestern? Would it be Nebraska? Would it? But now, after a few weeks, you kind of look at Iowa and say, if there's any team in this division, based on how they've played to this point in the season, uh, the, the Hawkeyes would seem to be that team. You're right, Dave. I think it was everybody talked about it. it was Wisconsin and everybody else? They were ranked in the the top five going into the season, and now you know. I talked to multiple people going to, about Wisconsin about their first two games, and they they were just like, yeah, you know, they played really well, but they haven't played anybody. They kept saying they haven't played anybody, and now after this BYU game, it's the Big Ten West is just muddled. I think everybody's trying to figure themselves out. Iowa, I feel like they always know who they are. Wisconsin knows who they are. Northwestern, Nebraska, Purdue. They're everybody's just trying to figure it out. And I think it's if nothing else, it's going to be an exciting race. Um, maybe more exciting than we anticipated going into the year with Wisconsin just you know going eight and zero and everybody else, then you know the next person being six and two, five and three, and just kind of banged up. So hopefully it's exciting. I think it. it it energizes a lot of the other teams to say, well, maybe Wisconsin isn't head and shoulders above us, and th- which makes it pretty fun for fans. Well, another conference game this week that I think will get a lot of attention is Nebraska at Michigan. Uh, the Cornhuskers coming off the loss to Troy 0-2 for the first time since 1957. I watched that game on Saturday. I know you did. They, uh, just nothing going on, really, for the Cornhuskers. Anytime you make a coaching change, Dan, expectations are raised you bring the new guy in especially when it's the 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 returning hero and scott frost everyone thought instantly nebraska was going to turn around they've had good coaches there before and and but they haven't won lately and and so this is a big job it's not a necessarily a guy comes in and turns around sometimes it happens right but it doesn't always happen that way no and it's it's really hard just because you know a lot of the kids didn't probably didn't want to see coach riley go they were recruited by him and um one of the offensive linemen from nebraska had a had a really poignant interview that when he just talked about you know the the margin for error and how you know people not buying in really affects the team whether it's one guy whether it's a senior whether it's a young guy who's who's playing you're only as strong as your weakest link in a lot of these these times and football's it, it's a game that you think it's never going to come to the the second string quarterback but you know two kids transferred and now adrian martinez is hurt and you know benches it or bunches in and you know it's it's tough to win a game with your backup quarterback period but 
if you don't have guys buying in on at wide receiver or at offensive line or on defense, you're going to make those plays. You're not going to make that. You know, you're going to make that stupid play, kind of like we saw against Colorado with that pass interference. You're you're not going to make that third down conversion when you really need it. You're going to cough up the ball when you shouldn't have. And I think people overlook that a lot. Like you just said, people think you know you can snap your fingers and Frost is you know the heir apparent comes in with a halo around him and everything's fine. And it just doesn't work that way. College football is so competitive, and you know the emotions that go into it, the preparation that goes into it, it really comes down to with a lot of these games that are one possession games, who wants it more? And mm-hmm. if once that if if you don't buy if you're not all the way in, doubt will creep into your mind sooner or later. And it, sometimes it's just subconscious. But it, it affects the game. And I think the the offensive lineman from Nebraska hit on that. He he hit on, you know, buying in isn't just showing up. It's doing everything that you need to do, going above and beyond to win a college football game. There's so much parity in college football because high school talent is just getting better and there's just better players across the board that everybody's good. You, yeah. you can't just show up well, as Nebraska. Every team and win. has some players. Right. Every team and, has talent. And, yeah. And, and and it's you're right. I mean, it has become a game uh, m- much like I mean, you see this in other sports too. But it it has kind of become like next touchdown wins kind of like when you're a kid, right. it's time to go home for dinner. I mean, it's the the team with the ball last is going to have a chance somehow going to have a chance to win the game. Right. Or, or if, get it extend the game all right we need to get out of here but before we do we have to get our super joe prediction of the week super joe romano our astute producer and knower of all things college football always comes up with a great one for us right joe right oh yeah every time well i mean last week was a bit of a miss but that's all right we'll get back at it see we weren't even going to bring it up but yeah go ahead we skated over it right 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 you know, you want a prediction about the weather, you're asking the wrong Phil. I'll give you a winter prediction. It's going to be cold, it's going to be gray, and it's going to last you for the rest of your life. All right. So we got uh, Michigan State getting back at it this week. They yep. are in their last 10 games um, where they are favored on the road. They are 1-9. But I think coming off the bye, losing uh, in Arizona a couple weeks ago, I think they get back on track and they uh, they cover the spread this week um, and reestablish themselves as as one of the better teams in the Big Ten. And they are playing at, at Indiana. At Indiana. What's the spread, yep. Joe? Uh, the spread is six, six and a half. And yeah, they'll cover that. Indiana has been pretty impressive here in the early yeah. going, but this is their this is their test. Yeah, the, you know, Indiana is getting better. They're they're not a, they're definitely not a, a rollover team, but um, this is this is a trap spot and, for them. And this hurts you, does it? As a as a Michigan fan, you're taking Sparty. Oh yeah, well you know when it comes to making picks, you, you got to be money still green. Yeah, you, know, exactly. you got to make money at the end of the day. That's right. All right, next week, a uh, couple of interesting matchups we'll delve into a little bit: Michigan and Northwestern. And also the night game in Happy Valley. I don't know if they they calling for the whiteout for that. Ohio State at Penn State. They definitely will have the whiteout. So so that'll be a good one. Uh, and that'll do it for this week's edition of Collegiately Speaking. Thanks to our guest Matt LePay. Thanks to Super Joe. And uh, thanks to Dan Persa. I'm Dave Edit. We'll see you again next week. 